Hello and welcome to I Am Cast. Here at I Am Student Ministries, our mandate is to raise up a generation of leaders. Love passionately, grow deeper and encounter truth. It's our sincere prayer that you are blessed by this message today. For more information, visit us on Facebook and Instagram at I Am Student Ministries. I want us to go to the book of Acts. Chapter 16. In the light of what I shared this morning, let's start from verse 9. There a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we, including Luke, at once endeavored to go on to Macedonia, confidently inferring that God had called us to proclaim the glad tidings of the gospel to them. Which, let me just say this. If you, didn't, if you weren't here this morning, try to watch the whole thing on supernatural direction. Because... Uh, Obviously, the angel of the Lord even took us to Budapest. And we want to see more of that take place. Even to the point where we just go without anything booked. We go to a nation and then let the Lord unfold it. We have already saw that, and I won't go into it now, but in the nation of Malawi. We arrived in Malawi and within a day, I was preaching in the largest church in Malawi. And within another night, we were on television across Malawi. I mean, it was supernatural. Nobody even knew we were coming. So it's one thing to go in and plan for six, eight, ten months. It's another thing just to arrive and then watch what God does. And we want to see the supernatural. So it says here, Therefore, sitting sail from Troas, we came in direct course to Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Nepolis, and from there we came to Philippi, which is the chief city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We stayed on in this place some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to a bank of the river where we were supposed there was a custom place of prayer, and we sat down and addressed a woman who had assembled there, and one of those who listened to us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira dealing fabrics dyed in purple. She was already a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And when she was baptized along with her household, she earnestly entreated us saying, if in your opinion, I'm the one really convinced that Jesus the Messiah and the author of salvation and that I will be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she induced us to do it. And we were on our way to the place of prayer, and there we met a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination, claiming to foretell future events and to discover hidden knowledge. And she brought her own as much gain by her fortune-telling. She kept following Paul and the rest of us, shouting loudly, these men are servants of the Most High God. They announced to you the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Then Paul, being sorely annoyed and worn out, 
turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. When the owners discovered that the hope of profit was gone, they caught a hold of Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the forum, the marketplace where trials are held. Now, so here, because of the supernatural power of God, suddenly they're running themselves into trouble. So people automatically in the American context of the gospel feel that the gospel is just going to make it all just, it's going to be fine. And you, you, there won't be any trouble, but not according to the book of Acts. According to the book of Acts, there could be situations whereby major trouble breaks out because of the proclamation of the gospel and the demonstration of the power of God. As I said earlier, the enemy is not going to give you a free run up the side. Are you with me? So when you begin to read the book of Acts, suddenly you, everybody says, well, this is phenomenal. The power of God was made manifest. Demons came out. Yeah, but now they're in trouble. You go into place and you get somebody delivered that's bringing the people she works for much gain because of a fortune telling. Suddenly now you become a threat to business, which has been the case in the past with people that operate in miracles and uh, you know, they went around in empty hospitals and then the doctors get mad because suddenly now there's no more sick people and you, you encroaching on their business or you go around and start getting people delivered from devils and psychiatrists get mad because suddenly now they have nobody to work with. Are you with me? They arrested many ministers that operated in the healing and miracles and they charged them for practicing medicine without a license. Some of them were thrown in prison. I mean, I'm just talking about the last 200 years. I mean, if God suddenly anointed you with a miracle ministry that went around and emptied hospitals, you, 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 listen, you can't even begin to comprehend the attack that would come against your life. So everybody says they want the power of God, but I'm not sure they understand what the ramifications are of you receiving the supernatural power of God, according to the scripture, according to the book of Acts. And people make up stories about you, lie about you, as they have about us. I told you, we went to Mauritius, and the pastors had lied about us across the island and said Adonica was my second wife. Now, how do you even defend yourself to that? I mean, you can't get up and just, you know, try to deny. You just have to make a joke out of it. So I just said, I want my first wife to come and greet you. Are you with me? What, what are you going to say? How do you, do, you know, do you go on the internet, find everybody is attacking you online? Do you hire a hundred attorneys? Do you lay charges of slander? I mean, you can do that, but how much, money, how much money do you want to spend trying to defend yourself? You just have to let it go and leave it alone. And don't worry about it. I mean, we were supposed to go to Reykjavik. We were not supposed to go to Stockholm, Sweden first. 
The reason why we pulled the plug on Reykjavik was because they Googled my name and saw the joy and the pastors didn't want to work with us. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to Reykjavik because I've got no place to go. Uh, we'll, we'll slot in Stockholm, Sweden because we couldn't go there on the, we were going to go Reykjavik, Stockholm. And she could not have us. The pastor of the church could not have us because she was leaving for India and Nepal. Great lady. I believe she's coming in January. And she was telling me the persecution they'd gone into in, in, the, in, the, in the early 80s when they started that huge movement across Sweden. She said the windows were shot out at the church and they would take dead animals and hang them on the, on the church. And even to this day, she, she is persecuted. To this day. Because she stands for healing and miracles. So there's people in certain parts of the world, maybe this is not prevalent in the United States, but there's certain people in certain parts of the world that are actually persecuted for the supernatural power of God. That's why in some areas you see a total devotion to the scripture and a total hunger for the things of God because they actually realize it actually is going to cost you everything. Yeah, you just leave a church and go to another church, which is what people do. So, now they're in trouble. This is great. You can just imagine Silas think, thinking to himself, this is just great, great. I was warned not to join Paul. He gets himself in a lot of trouble. Phenomenal. And when they had brought them before the magistrates, they declared these fellows are Jews and they're throwing our city into great confusion. Which there are certain cities where you can go, even in America right now, and you start doing what we do, all hell's going to break loose. The devil's not going to let you come in and get a free run up the side yet. This is, this is light versus darkness. Are you with me? They encourage the practice of customs which is unlawful for us Romans to accept or observe. The crowd also joined in the attack upon them and the rulers tore their clothes off of them and commanded that they be beaten with rods. So now this is just great. So now we're going to get beaten. We should have just let the woman stay demonized. You know what I mean? I mean, just let her do, keep doing her thing. And when they struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them there safely. He having received so strict a charge, not, uh, uh, sorry, put them into the inner prison, the dungeon, and fastened their feet in the stocks. So now not only are they in prison, they're actually thrown into a dungeon and their feet in the stocks. Now, I said something right at the start of the service, which some might have already put aside. But when deliverance comes, it doesn't mean to say somebody said, well, I'm actually not in a dungeon right now, and I'm actually not in a prison right now. But that captivity of the enemy could be something totally different. It could be 
debt. It could be fear. It could be some addiction. It could be some bondage of some sort that is no different than being in a dungeon with your feet in stocks. And in essence, you need supernatural deliverance. Could be sickness, could be disease, it could be whatever. The fact of the matter is, not everybody in prison is in prison. Paul wrote the prison epistles in prison, and you read them, they're the most freeing letters ever written. You wonder how can a man so bound be so free? Like I promise you, I don't think I would have written the prison epistles like that. You know, I mean, he, he looked at the Roman soldier and said, take the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. And I would have gone, this guy's just standing glaring at me. You know, you're writing this, this letter. They wouldn't, want to, they wouldn't want to read Rodney's letter to the Ephesians or whatever, you know. My letter probably would have, only God knows what that would have been. And some of you, your letters would be worse. But he wrote this whole letter of being seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named. So whatever the prison is tonight, because I want you to put yourself in the situation that they found themselves in. About midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So something happens when we pray and something happens when we worship that causes the very ground to shake. In actual fact, there are many other instances in the book of Acts that when they prayed, the place was shaken. The building was shaken. I pray even tonight that whatever's been holding you back will be shaken from its very foundation tonight and that you'll walk from this place totally free and that you can practice what we are sharing with you, these principles, walking in, really supernatural deliverance. No matter what the enemy has planned for your life, it is broken by the mighty hand of God. Can you say amen? So suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the very foundation of the prison was shaken and all at once the doors were opened and everyone's shackles were unfastened. That means suddenly all the chains that they bound them with and whatever they used, the locks suddenly were open and the chains fell off, the, the stocks fell off and the doors opened. All the prison doors were opened as they begin to worship, as they begin to praise, as they begin to pray, as they begin to sing praises to God. And they didn't sing them under their, their, their breath. They were not like humming a song or just sing quietly to themselves. They sang and the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard something was taking place down deep in that dungeon. 
That's why it's important when deliverance comes. There must be something coming from you. There must be something coming, a cry coming from your heart. People sit in a meeting like this and wanting to have a breakthrough. That's not how breakthrough comes. It's like they go introvert. Paul and Silas didn't go introverted. They went extroverted. They, they opened up their mouth. They, 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 they cried out to God. You, you have to open up your mouth and, and cry out. Something must come from you. Somebody said, what will that somebody else think? They didn't care what anybody else thought. You know, a prison is not a place where you can just, you know, voice your opinions freely. You can mark it down that there were people shouting down to the dungeon, shut up down there. It's midnight. The other prisoners heard them. You, be quiet down there. But the Bible says they sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them. So the prison was shaken and at once all the doors were opened and everyone's shackles were unfastened. Now, I mean, I know that it doesn't say this. Everybody just thinks that Paul and Silas, but I think the whole prison was delivered, you know. I mean, I think because it says everyone's bands were loosed. You think about it. So basically, because you have a breakthrough, other people are going to have a breakthrough. When you have a breakthrough, other people are going to have a breakthrough. As you have a breakthrough, that's why, that's why it's so imperative. Your breakthrough is not just the breakthrough for you. It's for everybody else around you. When they see what God does for you, it's going to transform their life. May you break through tonight by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. When the jailer startled out of his sleep, saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was on the point of killing himself because he supposed that all the prisoners had escaped. So obviously it was a great penalty to him if he was given God a prisoners and then they got out. There was a price to pay. So he's about to kill himself. Paul said, don't harm yourself for we all here. We haven't left. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, trembling and terrified. He fell down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out of the dungeon and said, men, what is necessary for me to do that I may be saved? So suddenly when you get delivered from the situation, it's immediate testimony to everybody else around that they say, how can I be a part? I, I need to see the hand of God. Your, your deliverance, your supernatural deliverance will cause not only the deliverance of others where the bands and the chains are loosed off of them, family, friends, loved ones, but also the salvation of many. 
You cannot give what you don't have. This is not about carrying information. God has not raised us up to carry information to lost and dying world. He said, go preach the gospel. And then he gave us the signs and the wonders to accompany the preaching of the gospel. Why? So that these chains could be loosed and those houses or prison can be shaken and the doors open and the captives could come out. And so God's doing that work in you so that ultimately he can do that work through you so you can go and set the captives free. Your job is to get free and then go set the captives free. That's your job. That's your job. Many is the testimony of an individual come along and was healed of tuberculosis and then God called them the healing ministry and they went and, and they got people delivered. And the whole ministry was, was about healing. Others that were dying of certain diseases and God delivered them and then they went around and got other people healed. People of marriages that were in total mess, the Lord healed their marriage and then they went around and God used them to save thousands of marriages. So what's real to you will become real through you. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. That, that is why I'm going to say this again. I've said this many times before. Your testimony is so important, which the enemy doesn't want you to tell your testimony because he tells you that your testimony is boring and nobody wants to hear it again. But that's really where the life is, is in your testimony. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Amen. Some people say, well, you know, we've heard it before. Well, guess what? You're going to hear it again. And then obviously as the Lord adds new things, then you'll be testifying about the new things that the Lord does. But don't throw away the basic testimony of how God brought you out where you used to be, where you could have been, and now what the Lord's doing today. Because that's the thing that's going to activate deliverance and freedom and liberty in the life of every person that hears. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. 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 So they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself up to him. Take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping and you will be saved. And this applies both to you and to your household as well. And they declared the word of the Lord and the doctrine concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation, the kingdom of God to him and all who were in his house. And they took them the same hour that night and bathed them because of their bloody wounds. And he was baptized immediately, all members of his household. So this is like, this must be like two, three o'clock in the morning now. You know, they're having like one of them all night Holy Ghost services. And he took them into his house and set food before them. And he leapt much for joy and exalted with all his family that he believed in God, accepting and joy, joyously welcoming what he had made known through Christ. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the policemen saying, release these fellows and let them go. Because obviously they found that they were actually Romans and that they'd held them under false charges. So, you know, the Lord got them out of the whole thing, which somebody said, well, that's just great. The whole prison gets free. The jailer gets saved. But I had to get beaten in order to do it. Right. <laughs> you know, 
We're not advocating you getting beaten, but when you think about it, I mean, even the travel, the, 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 the stuff you put your body through to even get you to the next place. And when you walk out, you can't walk out there half dead. Are you with me? You have to walk, you have to walk out there. You can't walk out. When you, when you just have one night, you can't walk out there and talk about all your problems. You have to walk out there with the word of the Lord. And every service is different. I mean, there were some churches was iffy. They didn't, they just run a risk by even having us come in. It was iffy. The thing could have gone either way. One church that we went to, the pastor was really nervous. Pastor Eric had to talk to him for several hours over the phone, just answering questions, all the stuff that he was bombarded through the internet and everything. And of course, he was my interpreter. I went to one church, the interpreter was so excited he was so excited that he couldn't contain himself. He was so happy that I was there. He said, this is going to be a breakthrough. And he kept messing around. It was like difficult to, you know, in, interpret. Then he started laying hands on people. You know, Brock had to like, like jolt him a little bit just to put him back into his place. Because he's supposed to be interpreting for me, but he was carried away. You know, He just got carried away. Interpreter, you'll find, is a very important person. You get the wrong interpreter, it's like, it's like pulling a dead body. As you walk along, you're pulling this dead body. You're having to repeat yourself several times, you know. This is how you preach. You're pulling this dead body along with you. In actual fact, you know, when, when you do what well, we did, we did Sweden, we did Oslo, we did Alta, we did Helsinki, Bratislava, Budapest, uh, Bulgaria, Bologna, and then uh, Germany, and then uh, Zurich, and then France, Amsterdam. By the time I got to Holland, I mean, the time I got to England, I, I kept talking and waiting for somebody to interpret, <laughs> and there was nobody there. It's like, something's wrong here. <laughs> your testimony, your testimony of what God has done for you is of the utmost importance. Now, I want us to focus on one little thing here, which is not little, but it seems little in the whole passage. But let's go down to verse 25. About midnight, as Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, suddenly, Which again, I can't emphasize this enough because I see a lot of people sitting in a meeting 
And there's actually, there's like nothing coming from them. There's no reaching out from them. They're listening. But there's nothing. Even when you tell them to pray, there's no prayer coming from them. And then if you tell them to pray, this is the only way they know to pray. I promise you, Paul and Silas were not bowing their heads sitting in a dungeon. Paul was not with his feet in stocks doing this. They, they, they prayed and they sang praises to God. What, what's coming out of you? What's coming out of your mouth? Well, I'd like somebody else to do it for me. That's not how this thing works. Yes, somebody can come and pray for you and, and get you set free. But what's coming, it's you and God. What's coming from your mouth? What's the cry of your heart? Because God's going to come and move right to the point of the place from where the cry is coming out. It was blind Bartimaeus that cried out and Jesus heard and stopped and said, bring him here. It was a woman with the issue of blood that pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. It was the four men that brought their friend that ripped up a roof and let their friend down through the roof. These, this is an effort that's taken on your part. Why do we think that this is like we're sitting in some theater and we get served heavenly popcorn? And, and we just sit there and eat the popcorn. And, you know, it's like we got to be entertained. No, I mean, because people are in that mode, you know. It's like we come to be served and the ushers are in the aisle with heavenly popcorn and they'll be coming around and if you need a refill, they'll get you one. Because if it wasn't Paul and Silas, it was you and somebody else, what would be heard from your mouth at midnight? And we're not going to midnight tonight to hear something come from your mouth. I'm just saying what, what would come from your mouth at midnight? Would it be nothing? Would you just sit and wait for daybreak? Would you just sit there and wait for daybreak? Don't worry about them. They're just making up for the rest of you. It's not a problem. 
They feel like they have to put in extra effort. Of course, nodding and taking notes is really going to help you. And don't tell me you don't have a voice. You have a voice. You have to lift up that voice to God. Somebody said, you mean now? Well, I mean, do you have another time you're going to do it? But pastor, you preach. It doesn't matter. I'm prodding you. I'm pushing you here tonight. All right, just pretend it's midnight somewhere. Just lift your hands and begin to pray right now. Come on. Come on, something is happening right now. The prisoners need to hear you. The prisoners need to hear you. Breakthrough upon breakthrough, upon breakthrough, upon breakthrough, upon breakthrough. Hey, 
Ramne Libribisi Precapa Perobo Merebebes Prepiata Laresuko We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Stay connected with us through social media and our app, I'm Student Ministries, available to download on Google Play and the App Store. We love you and are praying for you.